there, everybody. Uh, welcome to episode 14 of Sidekickback Radio with Aaron I. Butler. I thought I'd do a little intro for this one because uh, uh, something pretty amazing happened. Um, as after you know, chatting with him for an hour about um, where he began and where he's going and, and all this great stuff, um, as I was leaving and I said goodbye to him, he said, oh, I didn't even get to the, my story systems, to which I said, what? And he proceeded to bring out these poster boards and showed me exactly how he went about editing I Am Michael, um, his latest feature film. And uh, in the heat of the moment, I pulled out my cell phone to record it. And uh, for some reason, the first file has all this popping all over it, and the second file doesn't. Um, the first file is about 10 minutes, and the second one is 5. And um, so if you can bear through the, the first file with all those popping noises... Um, it really is quite fascinating in uh, how he works, and so I hope you will bear through that, or if not, skip ahead to his adorable sign-off. So yeah, away we go with episode 14 of Sidekickback Radio with Aaron I. Butler, an incredibly passionate man who, he's one of the good ones, and I so look forward to seeing his future work. Doing this all myself. <laughs> no research team or... Uh... My, my research team is right here. <laughs> Don't let me forget. Yeah. To, you need to sign. Gotcha. I, I okay. keep forgetting to get everybody to sign. Gotcha. Like, this thing is going to be worth gold one day, you know? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I guess we've officially begun. Cool. That's it. It started. Okay. Um, and we're both very tired. Very tired men. Although you're... Busy boys. Yes, busy boys, but you're, you've got a lot more going on than me. Um, it is February 27th, 2015, and I'm sitting here with Aaron I. Butler editor of I Am Michael, an Emmy Award-nominated editor, correct? And an yes. Eddie Award-nominated editor. Yes. The Eddies are the, is it the American Cinema Editors? Or yes. Association of... American Cinema Editors, yeah. Got that right. ACE. Yeah, got it. Nice. <laughs> I did my research. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Aaron, welcome to Sidekickback Radio. Thanks so much. 13. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Um, so we met at Sundance mm-hmm. uh, right after, I think it was the production design panel, mm-hmm. which was super fascinating. And um, you had a film there called I Am Michael, mm-hmm. starring James Franco, directed by Justin Kelly. Mm-hmm. All correct? All correct. You so don't far. even need to be here. So far, so good. So far, so good. I can just <laughs> tell everyone <laughs> everything. But um, I guess we'll start with the, the beginning. I mean, where are you from originally? So I grew up in uh, Atascadero, California. It's kind of right in the middle between San Francisco and L.A. And a small little town, kind of grew up on a little ranch. Um, you know, I fed all the... You know, the pigs and the chickens and the sheep, you know, I kind of had a very rural upbringing. <clears throat> but my mom was from Los Angeles, and my grandparents lived down here. And uh, my grandpa was actually very successful in the oil business, and so he had this, like, huge house in Brentwood, and and uh, he was the uh, president of Bel Air Country Club. And so I had this sort oh. of in- interesting upbringing, you know, this sort of my normal life was, you know, spent feeding the animals and, you know, hanging out with my hippie parents. But then, you know, summers and Christmas, I would come down to L.A. And, and you know, L.A. was always this kind of magical place, you know. When I was growing up, it was, you know, it was Hollywood. And, and um, yeah, and so... Did that, you hang out at the Bel Air Country Club? Oh, yeah, we spent lots of time there, so... And so... <laughs> and, yeah, there was always lots of lots of celebrities there. Yeah, so and, yeah. who were some of the... Na- like, who were some of the people you saw in that time... Like, like uh, you know, uh, Michael Jordan <laughs> was a member, <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> and um, you know Wayne Gretzky was always there. He was like an incredible golfer, and 
uh, James Garner, he was always hanging out there. Um, nice. So, I mean, it was, yeah, I had this sort of dual upbringing. Um, but part of me always felt like, ah, oh, I really, um, you know, I really wish, you know, I lived in L.A. It always seemed like so much more fun and exciting. And this is where, you know, the magic was happening as opposed to the little farm that I grew up on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so where did... Where did where did the editing start? Like, how did the, how did you first? So my find first, yeah, uh, it started in high school. Um, Perfect, because I, I love talking about high school because I think oh, yeah. it's so interesting <laughs> how we're like we are so different from who we were back then, and yet yeah. it totally impacts who we. are. It's like such a formative time. Definitely, you definitely. know what I mean. So started in high school, the yeah. AV club. Or um, something like that. Yeah, you know, it was. I think it was actually English class. Uh, we had, everybody had to do, um, a project. I don't remember what the project was, but, um, one of the options was, is that we could do a video project. And my dad was always kind of a video nut. Like he had one of the very first camcorders where you actually had to carry basically a whole VCR. I don't, do you, I don't know. You were probably way too young to no, remember this. Well, I remember but... my parents had the car phone that you had to sling over. Your, oh yeah. Um, shoulder, and like the top was the phone, but the base was the receiver. And it's the similar. Camera, it's know? similar like, to so that. It's a similar thing. Yeah. Yeah. The the early video cameras were hu- these huge cameras, and then you actually had to carry the entire VHS player with you. <laughs> and so, you know, so he was always kind of a video nut. And so when this project came along, I was like, oh, my dad has a video camera. Like, maybe I'll start playing around with it. And so I made this video and just fell in love with the process of uh, making movies. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, I just kept making them in all my spare time, summer, winter, anytime I had free time. Um, I ended up uh, going to uh, UC Berkeley. And at the time, I always thought I was going to be a lawyer. And so I, <laughs> so you know, I was, you know, I was studying all the undergrad requirements, you know, in, in order to go into law. But in all my spare time, I was making little short films. And, you know, little skits, little music videos, you know, little scenes and and I just did it to entertain my friends, really. And and because I just loved it. I thought it was so much fun. And so finally my senior year at Berkeley comes along and I'm getting ready to take the LSATs. And a friend of mine is like, why are you going to law school? Like, why don't you go into film? Like, you spend all your spare time like making movies. Like, why don't you do that? And I was like, could I? Like, it never <laughs> even occurred to me that I could make a living doing that and so um, i ended up uh interviewing in a bunch of places and i thought well i'll get a i'll get an internship my senior year at berkeley and at a a film production company and give it a try and so i ended up getting this uh internship um at fantasy studios um in their documentary wing and uh it was uh the place was run by saul zantz He's the producer of The English Patient, Amadeus, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Like, he had, like, a shelf full of Oscars. <laughs> and he um, ran this little film center right there in Berkeley. So it was really convenient because it wasn't far from where I lived. And so I did this internship there, and I met uh, this documentary director, uh, Bill Jersey, uh, Academy Award-nominated documentary director. Showed him a couple of my short films, and he loved them. And he said, wow, like, you're an artist. I'd like to do a film with you. Um, He was 
um, shooting uh, this uh, documentary, a short documentary about a uh, this 60, 60 year old guy who had always dreamed of flying on the trapeze but had never done it. And so he goes to a circus school and goes through this process and it's called learning to fly. So I helped, you know, shoot direct and it was the first time I'd ever seen an avid. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time I'd ever seen a beta cam, mm-hmm. you know, camera before. Yeah. And so I came in on the weekends and I poured over the avid manual and I basically taught myself how to use it. Um and he, you know, he let me shoot, he let me edit it, and I put it together, and I very clearly remember the first time when he, you know, it was like I had to show him what I had done, and, you know, of course, I'm, like, sweating, and I'm so nervous, I'm like, this is, this is my opportunity, right? Like, this is, like, my make it or break it moment, like, so he comes in, he's the director, and the producer comes in, and they sit on the couch, and, you know, and I hit play on the Avid. We go through the whole thing that I cut together. And then it stops at the end. And then there's just silence in the room. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, I totally blew it. I totally blew it. And I turn around and the director just stood up, walked over to me and gave me a hug. Wow. He was like, Aaron, he was like, that is amazing. And that short documentary ended up winning first place at the New York festivals and first place at the U.S. International Festival. And within six months, uh, the lead editor position opened up for the company, and he asked me to be the lead editor for the company. And so all of a sudden, I wasn't going to law school anymore. (laughs) I didn't even make it to film school. (laughs) I never even had a film, never even took a film class. And all of a sudden, I had a a job in the industry. (laughs) That's great. So that was my kind of beginning. That's how I got into editing. Phenomenal. <laughs> wow. So you were just, you just had the goods and it was the right time. It was... Yeah, it was, well, I just, I loved it more than anything. It was what, it was, it was the thing that gave me, you know, it was storytelling and especially visually, visual storytelling. Uh, nothing made me happier. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was just what I was supposed to be That's doing. Great. So <laughs> this was 16 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, <laughs> wow. Um, so in so you directed that too, correct? I helped, yeah. Yeah, you helped direct. So I mean, are so are you an editor or a director or both? Like how do you Well, you know, the bulk of my career has been editing. Um the, the sort of editing part of my career has kind of taken off the most. Mm-hmm. Um but I definitely see myself more as a filmmaker or more as a storyteller. I love directing. I love shooting. Um, yeah, I love writing. It's it's like because it's all just storytelling. Mm-hmm. To it me. does seem like in this day and age, or I mean, it probably has been like this forever, but it's just all blurred. There's the yeah. boundaries mm-hmm. between each position, um, and I mean, even working on my own film in the last week, um, I mean, it was uh, it was a lot of my scenes are being done this last week yeah which is why i was there obviously right um and in a few weeks i'll have like a week break because they're going to be doing scenes for the other characters um but um in the time that i wasn't working and i was at the monitor i was like you know whispering to the director and i, I am listed as a producer on the project oh yeah and which was very nice kind of the you know the executive producer yeah. director amber and jeff um janky but 
it was really just super collaborative and cool. You know, I I gave some notes and it changed a scene and like we're yeah. just you know f- f- ideas are flowing and it's very just we're all blurring kind of together and all these things you know. Um, no, and, and I totally see it that way. It's yeah, it's all storytelling and you know, and everybody has sort of their strengths and weaknesses. Um, you know, in in terms of what part of storytelling they're good yeah. at, you know. Um, but, but yeah, I definitely in all, you know, I sort of have my big editing jobs, but in between those and sometimes during, just like now I have like, you know, three projects going right now. Mm -hmm. I'm always doing a little directing, a little producing, you know, working on scripts, like doing little projects. I've directed theater, you know, like, uh, you know, I'm always, (laughs) you know, because I'm just hungry for a story you know i just yeah. love the, the i love storytelling and um and both you know i've bounced back and forth between uh, documentary and scripted yeah. too and i love both it's all you know yeah. it's all storytelling to me so okay well let's start at least with the focus on scripted editing because mm-hmm. i'm curious as to the process of that and like how does it so how does it begin do you do you edit on the spot like the dailies like do rough cuts of scenes so that the director can kind of get a sense of the coverage you got um like how do you guys start yeah i mean <clears throat> i can walk you through i am michael for instance since that, that was that's the movie we just you know we just finished yeah um so for that um you know the director was on location on the east coast mm-hmm. um and i was here in los angeles um the dailies would arrive um i think we had like a shipment like every three days so the dailies would come in, the assistant editor would prep. And we're talking physical shipment, right? Like a physical, box with yeah, the drive. A box with, with a hard drive, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So uh, you know, the that that would come. Uh, the edit, uh, the assistant editor would, you know, ingest and prep everything for me. Uh, and then I would get, you know, open it up and I've got a bunch of dailies. Uh, and then what I would do uh, first is just do a first pass um, of the scene, uh, basically by myself. Uh, and sticking to um the script um unless you know i mean things always change on set so you know sometimes you have to make you know make small changes but the first pass generally is this is it this is how it was you know script wise Mm -hmm. um and so that process happened during the whole uh during the whole shoot um and then the end product is basically the movie start to finish in the uh every scene in the exact order of the script and every line uh, as written in the as script. written in the script okay. yeah so f- that's what you end up with that's sort of your like starting point then <laughs> that's the starting point. yeah and just yeah <laughs> and that's not just... considered the rough cut correct well, uh I mean, not really i mean it's it's almost more like I mean, it, do you have a term for that? Like those this terms. Is, this is the first cut. Term. Well, um, I think, yeah. I mean, that's a good, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't know what the terminology well, is. I feel like if well, because the it, first you thing. Would use it. Well, usually what happens is like that's sort of like yeah, that's almost more like the first assembly, and then the first actual cut is what would be called the director's or the editor's cut. So, gotcha. so first I get to do. The, and the editor's cut is like sort of like my take. So I have the big long version that's in script order and every single line. Then I take that and I do the editor's cut. And I'll, so, I'll, so I'll drop lines here and there. I'll drop scenes. I'll rearrange things, rearrange lines within scenes, rearrange the order. Um, and this is kind of like the experimental phase where 
Um, because I'm, at this point, I'm the fresh eye on the material. I don't have the baggage of the whole script process. You know, because mm-hmm. typically, you know, uh, especially, you know, writer-directors, like, they may have been working on this script for three years, you know. So they, are, they, they have all of this history. Um, then they go on set. And then they have that whole experience. And so, and, and I've had this experience many times where, you know, a director will be on set and maybe the day went terribly. Mm-hmm. And so they have a bad, like, feeling about a scene. Yeah. But to me, I don't know that it was a bad day or a rough day. I don't know what went wrong. All I see is the footage. And so I have that kind of the fresh eye on it. And it can go both ways. You know, sometimes um, things just look, something, things are great read you know they're great on paper and then you put it on film and it just falls flat <laughs> you know like it, for, for whatever reason yeah like and there's just, and there's a million different reasons why yeah. you know um actors have bad days <laughs> you know and Very usually true. you only have one you know usually you only have one chance at, yeah. at a scene you know yeah. and I mean, really, because it's, you know, every every film is written three times. You know, it's written in the screenplay, and then it's written again with the directors and the actors on set, and then it's written a third time uh, in the edit room. And so... That's a quote. Whoa. <laughs> Boom. Mine's blown, everybody. <laughs> and I don't know if that's, you know, I probably read that somewhere, so don't quote me, but <laughs> I'm, I might just be repeating it. Too but, bad. You're getting credit yeah. for it. <laughs> but, it's, but it's totally, totally true. Um, and... A good director will let that process happen, gotcha. um, you know, because, you know, sometimes, you know, especially with writer directors, they may get stuck on the script. And so they force, you know, during the shooting, they force it to try to be like the script, but things are different. Things yeah. change, you know, and then they try to keep, you know, the movie in the edit room, try to force it to be like the script or be like whatever. Mm-hmm. Um the director on I Am Michael, uh, Justin Kelly, who's the writer-director, was like the polar opposite of that. He was amazing. Um, he he really let it be, you know, really saw the, you know, took the material what, you know, what actually the footage that we ended up with. And he was like, we have the freedom to do anything we want with it. Let's make it as good as possible. Which is, of course, the editor's dream, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um and so, because that way, you know, it's like, oh, well, this scene, you know, looked great on paper, but now it's not so great, you know, that for whatever reason, let's drop it, you know? You, you know, okay, well, we have a little bit of information in that scene we need. We could put that information in an ADR line into another scene, mm-hmm. for instance, you know? Yeah. Um, and other times, scenes that were just like a little innocuous moment you know, sometimes a great actor can, like, totally make it into an amazing moment. And so you may want to emphasize that scene. We may want to move it into a different position because it's so powerful, you know. Um, you want to maximize the emotion, you know, maximize the storytelling. Yeah. And and so that's what happens in this in this process. So, so first, you know, first you just do as scripted, and that's sort of your base. Then you do the editor's cut, and then the director comes in, and then you do the director's cut. Okay. And that's where, you know, and typically the director will watch both cuts. So they'll watch the original super long in-script version. Then they'll watch the editor's version. And then, you, and then you'll start working together. And, gotcha. you know, you may start with as a bait, one or the other as yeah. the base. Um, but often it's, you know, it ends up somewhere in between, yeah. you know. Um, how many 
I guess using I am Michael, sticking with that example, how many takes of a scene would you get? <clears throat> like, are we talking five, fifty? Like, I, yeah. Cause, I mean, with with I am Michael, um, it was a nineteen day shoot. Uh, it was very fast. Um, I think the the budget was like two point five. So. Very low budget, very fast. That's, that's million. Yeah, like million. Sorry. million in case you were wondering. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and maybe that sounds like a lot. <laughs> I wonder if people were like, billion? Hey, 2.5? Yeah, not billion. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, and so, you know, the shoot was fast. It was uh-huh. very fast. And so typically, you know. And Whiplash was also mm-hmm. the same amount of time, right? It was yeah. about 19? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whiplash was also Super, super fast. And winner of Best Editor. I know. Which is awesome. Actually, Tom Cross is a friend of mine, so... I was wondering, because I saw a post on Facebook, and... Yeah. Uh, I had a note about him. We'll oh, talk, yeah. We'll talk yeah. later about it. Um, but... So happy So anyway, for him. so, like, how many, how many takes are we... So, doing? yeah, it, it would depend a lot on um, the importance of the scene. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, if it was a, you know, a minor scene, some of them maybe, you know, some of them were oneers, so that, wow, you know, that just, that just means a single take of the whole scene. Yeah. So, um, and for for those, if it was like a simple oneer, there might be three or four takes. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but for like a huge scene, like the breakup scene, yeah. you know, like a big big moment. Um, I'm trying to think. You know, probably you know five or six times that. Um, so I'm trying to think exactly 20, how many. Twenty to thirty. Yeah. Like. Um, well, I mean, are you talking about takes in terms of each, you know, moment, um, like re- I guess each per, position per or angle? Yeah, per angle. Per angle, uh, how many takes? Yeah, know? I would say typically per angle. But yeah, I guess about three or four like, takes. Yeah. Three or four. Okay, so like, how many times do you have to watch the same scene? Right. As the editor, right? How many times do you have to watch the same scene, the same actor doing the same thing, and like try and find the nuance and like the thing right. that is the perfect element of the story that you know okay i want to keep that angle right right in that moment like so that that's what i'm getting at. Yeah. how many of, do, of those do you have yeah i would say typically three to five gotcha. of, of okay. each setup and, mm-hmm. and i'm sure or do, do you get notes from the script supervisor yeah there's what we call uh circle takes yeah and so that yeah and so that's like and i you know so typically i'll always start with the circle take right uh and then so i'll start by watching all the circle takes um and then and, you know, of course, it's just a suggestion because, you know, a lot of times, well, that's the best take by itself. Mm-hmm. But it, but in the context of I need to co- – I'm coming out of this take, going yeah. into this take, you know, the emotion could be wrong or, you yeah. know, because a lot of times they'll experiment, you know, and you'll be, you know, well, this is the scene a little bit angrier. This yeah. is the scene a little bit sadder, yeah. you know. And so you may use a combination, you know, but – it's just this incredible little puzzle, you yeah. know? But typically you want to start with the best stuff. So it's like, oh my God, this this moment, you know, the actor just nailed it. So it's like, let's pull that into the sequence. Oh my God, this moment is amazing. Yeah. Or, oh my God, the the this shot is so beautiful. Like, pull yeah. it in. It's like you kind of pull in all the best stuff and then you try to put the puzzle together, you yeah. know? You're trying to build from one amazing performance from one amazing visual or angle to yeah. another and you know it starts to put it all together i'm now, making a lot of hand movements but you're not yeah. probably not seeing you, can, you can't see you can feel them people you can feel them. <laughs> um so now let's talk about acting um mm-hmm. i'm in i'm in an acting class which is very unique because we 
we try to have an awareness for the editor, you know, mm, and try to keep things in, you know, continuity and keeping our, you know, keeping yeah. gestures mm-hmm. below the belt, mm-hmm. making sure our eyelines stay consistent. Um, and so I guess what, what do you like to see actors do? I, I'd assume that, <laughs> which is like, it's great if we don't Definitely. blow a take <laughs> continuity wise and you're like, well, we can't use that cause he's looking over there. Right. No, I mean that, that you know, is or, super or, helpful. Or what are the tricks you use to cover it? Yeah. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. And, no. And, um, yeah, I mean that is super helpful and and actually I I recommend no matter what part of the filmmaking process you you were involved in try editing something. Yeah. Because the editing is the final thing that happens. It's everything builds towards that it really, and it really moment. Is, and it's the most important. Uh, like, it is the I, last thing that's going to happen before the movie is released. I know. You know? And so if if <laughs> it doesn't matter if you are an actor, if you're a cameraman, if you're a director, you're a screenwriter, if you, if you take the time to edit something yourself and understand how it works and understand what it is that you have to do you will become a better screenwriter you will become a better actor you will become a better director because that is the final process you know mm-hmm. and and it's funny because a lot of times you know i can see at every step of the way like i can read a script and i can tell you this isn't going to work you know Why? because like uh, because I can tell you, I'd be like, this, you know, you want to cut from this scene to this scene, but I don't have the information to know where we're going, or it's going to be confusing. Like, story-wise, you know, I can see, like, you have five beats in a row here that are basically the same. I'm going to end up cutting four of those five beats out. I can already tell you that. Like, I could cut it out now in the yeah. script. You know, it's like, I can, you know, because I've been through this pro- the editing process so many times. I know, you know, what I'm going to do to have to make it work. And so, so to have like a screenwriter, if a, have a screenwriter go through the editing process and see how it works and see how it feels, uh, is so valuable. So yeah, as an actor, I mean, I would totally recommend, you know, um, editing mm-hmm. um, other actors. Yeah. You know, putting something together because. Uh, yeah, you'll you'll start to understand how it works, um, and obviously it'd be better to do it with some with a mm-hmm. with a like a professional editor who can, you know, give you advice and show you like and like you were saying, there's all these little tricks and things you can do to work around continuity, um, and it's like it's sort of understanding how the brain works too. Yeah, um, it's understanding where the eye is going to go in a particular shot. And, you know, knowing those things, you know, you can work around continuity, you can work around things. And a lot of times we end up using pieces that weren't actually planned. So there may be a moment where the camera was just on somebody and either before or after a take. And it's not actually part of the scene, but maybe they have this really kind of sad look and they drop their head down. Like we end up using pieces like that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll recreate whole scenes. I mean, sometimes, you know, it'll be like, oh, these three scenes and it's just a bunch of information. There's no emotion. Like, what's the information? Okay, it's really, this is the key piece of information. Okay, well, let's take the visuals from these three scenes, make a montage, and and weave in the information in ADR or whatever. I mean, there's, you know, I could go on and on about all yeah. the different tricks we use. Um, is there a, <laughs> just, like, a specific example that comes to mind from I and Michael where, like, 
you had a scene where you're like, I'm not sure what to do, and then you like figured it out, and it was like, whoa. Yeah, I mean, there was, um, I mean, one example of that, um, we we used to have, uh, there, there's this rave scene, and the rave scene used to start really fun, and then it went really dark, mm-hmm. and it sort of ended on this sort of um, sad note, and, but what we were getting um, story-wise, big picture, um, in the movie was, well, we didn't want to go too dark too fast, and we were having problem with, you know, we wanted to have fun first. Yeah. <laughs> it was like we we were going to go to lots of <laughs> we were going to go to lots of dark places and we sort of realized god we we need to have some fun first before we do that. So, we recut the scene. We we dropped all of the sort of dark parts at the end of the scene, just had the scene be this fun exuberant moment and then we took the dark parts of the rave scene and we turned it into a nightmare dream sequence later on and so so there he is in the middle of the movie and he's having this like breakdown and we needed one more piece there you know he's crying and he's like having all these problems and he's scared and he's in bed you know with his with his partner and it's like this dark moment and then the next moment he wakes up in a panic and so it was this sort of perfect moment. We said, oh, well, let's have him have this kind of, you know, nightmare. We'll use the rave scene, which used to be, which was a happy moment before, but we'll use the dark parts that we didn't use. Mm-hmm. And and so now it's like he's in the rave and he's looking around and he looks lost. He looks scared. He looks panicked. And so it's like, you know, we completely repurposed yeah. it from how it how it was before. So that's just one oh, example. Yeah. Perfect. That's exactly. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, and no one would ever know. You yeah, know, you I watch know. the movie, and no one would ever know. Like, yeah. oh, the rave scene has moved wave up. Oh, there wasn't a nightmare sequence in the script. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, that's great. Wow. Oh, so and that kind of explains like because um, in in my class we mm-hmm. we choose our own scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, I just did a scene from Imitation Game last night. You know what oh, I mean? Cool. Like we we go as very current, and you know when we see something, we're just like let's do it. Um, but and we're reading, so we're reading you know current scripts, and we're like that wasn't in the movie or that you know that was yeah. So that's why that explains it. You when, see that a lot. when there are changes, and we're like there's lines that are you know, right. added that aren't in the script, yeah. but they were in the final cut, it's because the editor, I yep. guess. Absolutely, absolutely. You're editors. Crazy. Yeah. Editors. <laughs> no, and this was like I was saying, this is, it's, it's, you know, it is the money quote. It's like, it's written once in the script, it's written again with the directors and the actors on set, and then it's written a third time. And it's, and really, it's, it needs to get dramatically better each time mm-hmm. when you get on set you want it to be even better than what the script was and then when you get to the edit room you want to get even better than what was in the script better than what happened on set you want to elevate it even more you know so that's yeah. like the process of just continually making a stronger story yeah um so let's switch gears can you talk about the difference between editing for tv versus film versus documentary because mm-hmm. I'd imagine those are three very different processes. Yes, yes. Because <laughs> um, like TV, I you know I, I'm pretty sure you're gonna say that TV is very information based, so it's all about the information. Is that correct? Is um, that right? Not necessarily. Oh. Not necessarily. I mean, well, I mean, I mean, I guess just you know stepping back and looking at sort of big picture, the differences. Yeah. Um, you know, in television, you tend to you know you're part of a big 
team. You have, you know, typically multiple editors, multiple assistant editors, all working simultaneously. Um, you have it's 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 a much bigger production. You generally have air dates, so there's these you know much tighter deadlines, and and there tend to be a lot of um, cooks in the kitchen, you know. <laughs> so because you have you know you have you know producers. Um, you know, executive producers, writers, um, and then you have network, studio. And so, you know, it tends to be, there tend to be a lot more people involved. Mm -hmm. And it's more, you know, the producers and the executive producers, the showrunners, they're the ones who have the power. It's not the director. Right, yeah. You know, so, and then on features, um, it's definitely a more of a director-oriented experience. And it can be very different depending on how big the movie is, though. Mm -hmm. The bigger you go, I feel like in some ways, the more it becomes like television. You have more and more cooks in the kitchen, more and more people who you have to make happy, yeah. more and more studio heads, things like that. But on a smaller scale, like something on I Am Michael, it's just the editor and the director make the movie yeah. <laughs> you know it's like i mean after the shooting's done yeah. you know um it's just you and the director cutting and and a lot of times there's no studio attached um to begin with so we basically yeah basically it was just justin and i you know yeah. cutting editing the movie together you know a little feedback from franco you know a little feedback from producers and people we would screen for but it was very it's just it's a much smaller uh, you know, um, kind of creative process. Um, and then documentaries are, you know, in some ways a whole different <laughs> beast. But um, but the, the similarities are actually, it's, it's actually similar um, if you are doing a documentary series, it's more like a scripted series mm -hmm. where there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, the directors are not involved with the editing. Um, if you're doing a documentary feature, it's more like a scripted feature. You know, where it's you and the director making the documentary. So those are kind of like, you know, the big, um, the big kind of difference, gotcha. um, you know, in terms of the, of the process, at least. <laughs> um, speaking of documentaries, I mean, we haven't really talked about American Winter. Yeah. <laughs> which is your kind of, that's the, what you got the nominations for. Yes, correct? yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so, and that's about, uh. Is it a middle class family in the, the, yeah. in the over the course of one winter? Yeah. So American Winter, yeah, it's a HBO documentary. Um, we follow the uh, actually eight uh, middle class families oh, okay. as they go from middle class to losing everything, uh, including one family who ends up in a homeless shelter for the first time, and we were there with them uh, when it happened. Um, it's all about the the change that has happened over the last. Uh, 40 years or so uh, in America, how the safety net has been dismantled and the middle class kind of uh, abandoned. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so, I mean, how, what's that like being a film crew? You're with this family, the show Cops. Um, I remember there was a moment where uh, a criminal actually went into like cardiac arrest or something. And one of the cameramen started performing CPR on him. Yeah. So like, and and that was like a huge like crossing of the line, right. as from from a documentarian standpoint, but from right. a humanitarian standpoint, it's like well, thank God. But 
you know, what's that? Where can you talk about that line yeah. of, you know, you're supposed to be just observing and kind of just watching and capturing, mm-hmm. and yet you're watching these people go through this thing. You, I'm sure you want to help. No, totally. Yeah. It was very difficult. Um, and what we did was we you know we were going to pay them money at the end of the shoot basically Mm -hmm. um when we were done but but you're right we had to document what was really happening to them um and not get involved um and it was very difficult it's hard to watch somebody who's suffering like you know the one family who ends up in the homeless shelter for the first time you know the um the son gets really sick and he's like vomiting out in the parking lot. Like he's super, super sick. So, and it was just so horrifying to see this poor little kid, you know, not only is he so embarrassed, you know, to be at a homeless shelter, but to see him, you know, so sick. And it's like, and yeah, we just have to just keep our distance. And, you know, because it's it's more important we have to show what's happening you know it doesn't do us any good to go in and just help these families you know um although the 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 great part was that once the movie came out there was this huge outpouring for those particular families and so even though they were you know struggling and we were and unable to do anything for them in that moment afterwards like um, two of the kids thought they would never be able to afford to go to college, and a donor came in and is paying for their college tuition for wow. both of them. And, like, amazing things happened uh, like that. And so you just have to – but it was hard. It's very it's very hard to just sit back and, and, yeah. and watch it unfold, you know. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, before um, I hit record, we were talking about your next documentary project – <laughs> the Holocaust one. I mean, yeah, like to... yeah. It's called uh, "They Played for Their Lives," um, and it's about um, the power of music uh, in the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. We interviewed uh, all these survivors who were musicians, um, and in some way or another, whether mentally, emotionally, or physically, they were saved by music. And so, it's all these kind of amazing stories. Um, you know, there was a women's uh, orchestra at Auschwitz, for instance. And so we have one of the women who was in that orchestra. And absolutely, you know, because the Nazis were, you know, they they were strangely cultured. They loved culture. They loved art. They loved music. And yet they were mass murderers. And so they, but they really appreciated, they wanted music at the camps for themselves and also to keep the inmates, you know, quiet and docile and and so to have these you know to have this woman tell the story of what it was like to be in this orchestra and it absolutely saved her life because you know a lot of other people if they didn't have something like that um they would have been sent to the gas chamber yeah wow and so that's going that's already done uh no we're just uh we're finishing up the editing right now we're we're almost done gotcha great and do you have plans for the release yet or um you know yeah we'll probably you know we'll probably we're probably aiming to do like the festival circuit you know later on in the year or next year (laughs) and then you also have indubious battle on your horizon yes yes so i'm um just about uh that's my next editing project uh it's the next uh, james franco film yeah it's uh directed by james franco 
Um, and it's based on a, a John Steinbeck novel uh, adaptation of that. Uh, and it's a, it's a really fascinating story about, uh, it takes place in the 1930s, and it's um, about a strike of uh, apple orchard pickers and and about the communist party getting involved um, and sort of creating the strike and it's this kind of interesting story where it's how far will you go in order to do something that's good for everyone Mm -hmm. what are you willing to sacrifice (laughs) or maybe who are you willing (laughs) to sacrifice in order for the greater good and is it worth it (laughs) it's so it's a really it's a really fascinating story. I, um, so I'll start. I'm going to be editing um, the dailies um, starting in a few weeks. Yeah. And so you're gonna. And you said you're gonna be editing on location. Yes. And so what's the <laughs> what's the decision behind that? Like, how come you wanna? Is it quicker? Um. No. Well, it's. I think in this situation, um, it's easier. Um, Franco is super busy. He's got a lot of projects going on, you know, and so it's actually much easier um, for him to have the editor right there where because he's he's already going to be there, obviously, directing and acting in the movie. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot easier for for me to be cutting dailies there and he can, you know, pop his head in and I can show him stuff. We can talk things over. It's 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 actually it's just a convenience factor. Yeah. uh, because you know, because his schedule is is so busy. Yeah. So. Right. Um, so as we come towards the end, uh, I mean, I do list. I mean, the Oscars just happened. Yeah. On Sunday, um, and for editing Whiplash one, which I thought was just, it, it's because it's such a you know such a little movie that could kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, I mean, what about the editing of that film? I mean, you as another editor yeah. and. Um, I mean, because it's great. We all know it's great. Yeah. But, like, what makes it great? What do you think? Well, I think, yeah, and I think with Whiplash uh, in particular, um, the editing is very musical. And I think that was intentional. Mm -hmm. Um, Musical in the sense that it's, it's very precise and rhythmic. Um, It's almost like, the editing is it's almost like a, a like a um like a like score yeah. almost the rhythm and the visuals of the editing are like a jazz piece you know and which is really and it's and it's it works so well of course with the story because that's what the story is all about is about this sort of perfectionism this like unending desire for perfection and and so the editing is like that too it's this like super crisp precise you know every moment every and you know um and just you know these patterns all these different kind of visual patterns and um and it just it it works so much and and there's such a great feel you know from the beginning of the you know the beginning kind of some of the opening images are you know, going from a kind of slow rhythmic pace um, up to the climax. You know, there's this sort of the the editing builds and builds and builds and builds and builds. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just super effective. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, were there any? I mean, were you anything that you uh, 
Any axes to grind with the Oscars? Like uh, any surprises or snubs that you thought? <laughs> um, you were like, what? <laughs> good question, good question. Um, I'll probably have to like... It feels like so long ago already. <laughs> yeah, we, we're already on the next awards. Here. I know, right? <laughs> um, I don't know. I was I was happy with um, you know with I'm I was so happy that we, all the awards that uh, the Whiplash you know won three awards. I know, which was just awesome, and and I I was happy with Birdman too. I thought that was a great movie. I really yeah. I really loved it. Which was, um, I guess, kind of devoid of editing in a way. Um, actually, I think there's actually I think there's like there's hundreds of edits in it. Yeah, but not like in the way that we're used to. You know what I mean? Because yeah, of that whole it one looks. Take. It's all yeah. It looks as if it's all <laughs> one, but there's actually you know the editor had you know there was you know tons of takes of every single moment. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so you know, um, but it but it is an interesting. It's a fascinating, yeah. you know. Um, cause in some ways, you know, it didn't get recognized. Yeah. I think, I think actually it was the first time that, um, a best picture nominee, the editing didn't get nominated as well. I think it's the first time that's ever happened or something. I could be wrong, but don't yeah. quote me on that. Well, but it's, it's one of those things where if because you, visually if you, you can't job, tell, you know, I know. And right? if you do a good job, no one notices. I know. You know? It's one of those things where it's like, it just passes by. Exactly. Uh, unless if it's like whiplash, which is like, as you said, it's. It's a part of the story. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, that, the rhythm of the editing is yeah. totally integral to the story. Yeah. Um, what is there one thing about editing that you think no one understands, or like when you talk to people that aren't filmmakers or anything that you wish they would know about editing? Like, I think the you know the thing that people get surprised about the most, I think, is how much editors are writers. Um, and I think, you know, I could show you, you know, scripted movies that I've cut where literally, you know, you could, you could look at the, the num the scene numbers, the original scene numbers mm -hmm. and the, and the movie is now like, it starts with scene 100, yeah. it goes to scene 30, scene 34, scene 92, you know, scene 46, scene 47, scene 83 like i mean i've literally and even within scenes um completely repurposed a scene to make it be about something completely different you know i i think people don't understand how much can be changed in the edit room and how much that has to happen mm -hmm. in order to make the movie as powerful as possible yeah. uh, in order to maximize every powerful moment that you got in the footage and every powerful story point in the script, you know, to, to, you know, to, to let go of the things that didn't work and to elevate all of the things that did so that it's just one powerful story. And I, so I think that's, you know, most people don't understand how much, um, the editors involved. And of course, in documentaries, you know, it might be a little bit more obvious because, you know, like American Winter, for instance, I was handed 250 hours of footage and it's like, here, make a 90 minute movie, <laughs> you know, and you have to create, you know, moment by moment, line, interview by, by line, scene yeah. by scene, completely interweave it, completely create the story from scratch. Yeah. On a scripted project, you have a script and so you have a kind of, you know, a jump on the story um but even in scripted so much can change yeah. and and does and i think people don't realize you know how much 
um, writing happens, um, how much writing editors do. Nice. Uh, that's probably the thing yeah. that people you know don't understand. <laughs> and if there's one thing that actors do that drives you nuts, and you're like, I wish actors would not do this, what would that be? You know? <laughs> is there anything? It's funny. Well, <laughs> there's... Um, you know, most actors have... Um, I, I don't know if you want to call it. They have like, um, per, they have particular ticks. The bag of tricks. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Well, some, not bag of tricks, but um, sometimes they have their um, what we what an editor would call like, oh, he they're getting actory. Uh huh. You know, and it's things where they are, um, especially in film. Um, because, you know, the, typically a camera is so close and it's so personal, you're seeing every little tiny bit of emotion on someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there, a lot of times there'll be these actorisms where people will, they'll feel like they have to, like, do something, like, extra, like... Almost like, like if, you know. if an actor's <laughs> angry, they will, like, really furrow their brow, which is unnecessary, because if they're angry, it'll just come out of the face. Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah, it's little like things... Yeah, it's little things like thing. that. Um, adding, um, you know, breaths, like, big dramatic breaths, you know, sometimes. <laughs> we, um, call it, we call it huffing and puffing. Huffing like, and puffing, yeah, <laughs> like... Like, uh, if someone says something shocking, you're like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those little, you know, actorisms, you know, it's like the little stuff that gets added in um, that, you know, sometimes it feels like the actor is being natural, yeah. but it actually come, it actually comes, it's the opposite. Yeah. It comes across feeling fake and yeah. forced. Um, it's like adding in all these yeah. little So you'd say just, just let things. it be, just yeah. let it happen and just let it... Be, yeah, let it be natural because... The camera picks up so much, you know, especially when you're on a close-up. Like, there's so much coming through just your eyes. Yeah. It's, like, so much information, you yeah. know. Like, when in doubt, <laughs> pull back, <laughs> you know. And the other thing, a lot of times, you know, um, a thing that actors do is they get too slow. They think that being really slow is really dramatic, mm-hmm. you know, and powerful, and they insert in all these big pauses. And a lot of times, you want to just be with the actor, and but they inject these huge pauses that don't really work, mm-hmm. you know? So that, I don't know. I And that sometimes, I'll be like, oh, it's like this scene, I want to stay on this person, but I can't, because there's just these, like, huge, you know, overly dramatic pauses, yeah. you know? And it starts to feel unnatural you know uh-huh. like there can there are places yeah for dramatic pauses obviously yeah. but if you're putting a dramatic pause between every line yeah <laughs> it's like you're killing <laughs> you are killing the energy of the scene it doesn't feel natural yeah. in real life when people are going back and forth there's not a ton of huge dramatic pauses between every sentence, even in a really emotional moment, mm-hmm. you know? Yes, there may be one dramatic pause that really is necessary and it really feels powerful, mm-hmm. but, you know, keep it moving, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Because otherwise I'm going to have to cut away, yeah. <laughs> you know? Even even though I would much prefer yeah. to stay on you, you know? Yeah. So it's the, you know, 
And the and these are the kind of things where we'll be like, ah, they're being actory. <laughs> That's <laughs> like you know what yeah. what we'll say. We'll be like, ah, I wish they were just being more natural, yeah. you know, and less actory, because <laughs> um, it's just not needed, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You hear that? You hear that, friends? <laughs> um, a lot of actors listen to this. Basically, it's basically my acting class because they're gotcha. a great supportive bunch. Um, and I love you all dearly, <laughs> even you. I'm not going to say a name. I'm just going to let them think. You have your own dramatic pause there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I get you're, I think, the kind of first person that I met at Sundance that I've talked to. What was your kind of, what was your favorite from Sundance? Um, did you see anything else? Um, yeah. Any no, yeah. I, yeah, I saw a few films. Um, Besides I and Michael. Obviously, that's your favorite. But. I know. All right, well, that, that one's hard to... <laughs> I don't have a lot of <laughs> distance with that one. It's like yeah. <laughs> too involved with that one to give a honest feedback. <laughs> um, um, uh, the documentary I saw that I loved was the, um, um, oh gosh, it was this one that was actually based on, I'm totally forgetting the name, but maybe you saw it. It was uh, based on a Sundance um, short. Oh, it was the Beaver Trilogy Part 4. Um, yeah, I know. Very interesting what? name. <laughs> Very uh, suggestive name, but um, not what you think. <laughs> I know it sounds like a porn or something. Yeah. But, and it's a documentary? Uh, what? Yeah, it's a documentary. <laughs> it's fascinating. It's actually, um, there was a filmmaker who um, uh, shot this documentary short and then did a scripted version of the short and then did a second scripted version of the short and it be and then they put them all three together and it became this kind of cult classic at Sundance and so this is the Beaver Trilogy part four this is the documentary about those three films how they came to be and really well done, especially the editing. I love the editing. The structure was amazing. Uh, the way that they sort of parsed out information and built out the story was really good. Um, so that was probably my favorite doc that I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't see like a ton of movies because it was just so crazy and busy. But um, uh, one other movie that I really liked was um, Witch. The Witch, uh, yeah, Robert the Witch. Eggers. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think he ended he, up winning Best Director. Yes, he yeah. did. Um, and he was on a. We saw a director panel with him. Oh, and cool. He's really, really smart. Oh, yeah. And like he prepared this PowerPoint presentation. Wow. He's like really um, academic. I, I would say. Oh, interesting. I, would, I I kind of regret that word now because I feel like he would be like, I'm not academic. Yeah, yeah. He's just he's or just, intellectual he's or very, yeah, yeah. but he's just like guy. he just loves to have information. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Right. And like show it and like support stuff and right, right. it was so interesting oh, and i really cool. look forward to seeing the witch yeah it was um, really good and uh, you know i i'm a big um sci-fi fantasy yeah. you know fan and um so this was kind of like a you know dark fantasy kind of horror yeah. um story but oh just the you know the atmosphere you know amazing cinematography and um, really great performances and just creepy but sort of beautiful too like really beautifully shot and yeah I loved it okay. so. <laughs> um, well I mean that's I think we're at about the end cool. but your parting words are going to be what you told me when we first met uh-huh. um, if you remember your quote about how you've, you've had this great explosion of work and do you remember what you said caused that 
You don't remember, do you? <laughs> you oh yes. Like why you're seeing? You're yeah, like, so you're you're hitting this like huge skyrocket. Right. So uh, you know, I've been working in the industry for I think 16 years now, um, and just in the past couple of years, things have really blown up. And but really, I can credit it to. Um, getting picky about my jobs. That is it. That so is, yeah. you know. So I guess it, you know. It, yeah, a couple of years ago, I felt like I had enough experience and I had enough credits that I was ready to elevate my the quality of my work and not just you know up until that point I was just kind of you know I was taking you know project come along you take it project comes along you take it. Um, so at that point, I you know basically was like, okay, I'm going to get really picky. So I would, I just sat back and I was like, I'm not going to take every project comes along. And so I'd be like, no, no, no. I would pass on projects and I would wait until that one. It'd be like, that is an amazing project. I'm super passionate about it. It's super powerful content. It's like, I love the people who are doing it. I'm doing that one. And so basically I spent, you know, a whole year being super picky and I only picked projects that were like that and then the following year uh I got nominated for an Emmy I got nominated for an Eddie uh projects that they were on were nominated for IDA awards won IDA awards and nominated for uh GLAAD award uh and you know I got a film with James Franco and Zachary Quinto and Emma Roberts like and that went to Sundance yeah. and so it was and now I, another one. Yeah. <laughs> and now another, another one. Film and with, uh, <laughs> is it Vincent D'Onofrio's in it? Yeah. And, uh, Robert Duvall, yeah. Uh, Brian Cranston, Ed Harris. Brian Cranston. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, Selena Gomez. Like amazing cast. Have fun editing that. Yeah. I know. <laughs> That's going to be a dream with all those actors. Yeah. Um, so yeah, literally every single project I had picked that year had got at least a nomination or won an award or went to Sundance. Yeah. And so that it totally that strategy totally paid off and yeah i uh, that year where i got really picky i made half as much money as i usually do but it was absolutely worth it yeah. like i literally in like a two year span my career jumped in a in a massive way and so i think you know it's part of that balance of, you know, we're not just doing this because we're artists and because we love it, but we're also trying to make a living at it. And so it's that balance, trying to find that balance of, you know, you work really hard for a long time, um, you know, and you get to a point where I'm making a living off of this and I've got tons of job offers all the time. I'm making a living that's great. Okay, now I want to do more than just make a living. I want to work on stuff that I'm totally in love with and that's totally powerful and that other people are really going to respond to. And so you get to that point. And for me, it was like, you know, about 14 years into my <laughs> career is when I sort of hit that point where I felt like, you know, I'm getting two or three job offers a month. I don't need to just take every job that comes. It's time to elevate. It's yeah. <laughs> so. great. So the way okay. I, I have this uh, uh, system that I use um, when, when I'm editing, uh, it's uh, based off, uh, I use index cards, which is a, it's, it's a common thing uh, in the industry, but I have my own specific take on it. Um, so what you'll see, um, the, the first part is each movie is different. Um, a lot of times movies will have like an A story, B story, C story kind of thing. Um, this, we're looking at the boards for I Am Michael right now. 
And in this we have, um, there's uh, different time periods. And so um, you can see the pink cards are kind of like the present day time period. Uh -huh. So we start in the present day, we, we kind of bookend the movie. You can sort of see the first card is pink. Um, then the blue, we go into the past. The blue is his first relationship um, with Bennett, uh, his sort of the big love. And you can see the bulk of the movie is about that. Yeah. And then in Act 3, you can sort of see that there's uh, Orange. Orange is the relationship that he had uh, with Nico. And so that was like his la that was his final relationship um, before he gave everything up and um, became, a, uh, became a pastor, which is the, the, the pink. So, so each movie is a little bit different. So, but the cards are super, uh, the colors are super yeah, helpful to be able, you can track yeah. the story. You can see exactly what the balance is. You can see how things are playing out. Um, you know, and so sometimes it might be an A story, a B story, a C story, or it might be um, a, a particular character. Yeah. Uh, arc could be one color. It depends on what the story needs. And you would you adjust it based on that. So, you know, for this, it was the most important thing was when are we in the past? When you're in the present. In the initial script, we interwove um, the past and the present. So all those pink cards you see were interwoven throughout the blue cards. Um, but in the end, it it didn't work. <laughs> it worked great on paper. It's one of those yeah. things where you read it, you totally get it. On film, it just didn't work, yeah. and so in the end, we ended up putting, we ended up bookending, um, so starting in the past and or starting in the present, flashing back ten years, and then it plays forward chronologically. Gotcha. It just yeah. ended up being way more powerful, well, and that's what you always got to end up. With. It's also super interesting to see like all this blue, 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 and then you get like a hint, and then you get a touch of orange, mm -hmm. and so like story wise, it just it it just makes sense. I, I don't know. Yeah, you can like. Yeah, and exactly. You can, and this is the most important thing is I can see the entire movie in one glance. Yeah. Okay, so, and then the other part of it is um, visually you can also see, is it a full scene? A full index card is is, is a full scene, you know, with dialogue. A oh. half, half of an index card is just a short moment. Yeah. It might be a little bit of dialogue. It might just be a little bit of B-roll. It might just be a visual. Mm -hmm. So you can see the rhythm. So he, here, for instance, this whole line, you can see it's a big visual um, sequence. Yeah. And then the other part is each... I have three um, boards here. Each board is an act so that you can feel one big thing happens in act one one big thing happens in Act Two. One big thing. Um, act Three is actually divided into two parts. It's, or it's Act Two. Sort of like yeah, Act yeah. Two. Yeah, yeah. Act and, Two is divided. Into and that's two. usually kind of the normal the normal structure of movies. Act One is like what yes. fifteen to twenty. Yeah. Yeah. Act Two is like sixty. Yeah. yeah. And then Act Three is another fifteen you know, to twenty. Visually, and the, yeah. You can see it here. And then the other part of my um, system is uh, each of these lines. Each one line is a sequence. Gotcha. So something may some big change happens from here to here. Some big change happens from here to here. And and this is really important too because um, some of these things when you read them on paper you can just read right through it. Mm -hmm. But once you film it, it feels totally differently. Yeah. And a lot of times you can just even if you just map it out like this, and I recommend that script writers do this too, <laughs> you can see like this is a really long sequence. Yeah. It might not work. Yeah. It might be too long, you know. But visually, you can instantly see. Or if you have a little short sequence that's only a couple cards, and that's the change, it might be too short. It might be too, you know. But you can see the rhythm of it.
Yeah. And, um, you know, and you can, you can see, like, the changes, you know. We wanted to have things move quickly in the beginning, so you can see that these sequences, because um, this is the meat of the relationship and, and the, the heart of where things go wrong in Act 2. And so we wanted to make sure we get to that as soon as possible. And you can see the rhythm of it. You know, you can see how... It's like one big change, two big change, three big change, boom, we're in the meat of it, and then it's like we take our time. This is like the big struggle, the big changes, the big meat, and then we have a big shift at the end of here where we move into here, and then you can see where the orange starts to dominate. Mm -hmm. Then he kind of goes back, and this is like it's all over, and this is like leading up to the final sequence. You know, So you can instantly see the whole story. And I don't know if you notice. Look at the numbers on the cards. The scene numbers, yeah. 119, 6, <laughs> six. 15, 8, 9, 29, 31, 32, 36, 37, 38, 41, 43, 49, 56, 53, 54, 55, you know, yeah. 39, 78, 82, well, 62, 87, 111. See? Yeah. <laughs> this is what I was talking about. Yeah. That's... That is the writing and, in the editing. <laughs> yeah, and I see a lot of uh, pinholes that were. <laughs> oh, yeah, <this laughs> like like been, a lot of stuff oh, yeah, moved. Yeah. And... It's been, yeah, completely, you know, because you have to experiment. Yeah. You know, you have to try different things. You know, you watch a sequence and you're like, ah, something about it isn't working. So you got to try something. So yeah. it's like, okay, let's try this. Oh, that doesn't really work either. Let's try this. Ah, oh, that finally, that works. Mm -hmm. Oh, but then this leads into this. Well, maybe we should change this. Oh, that's even better. You know, it's this constant reiteration um, process where each scene, and you can see each scene, too, on the index cards. You know, for instance, um, you know, here's the, you have the name of the scene. Um, so these are the characters, uh, Michael Bennett, um, Tyler, and... Um, I think that's the mom. So it's like, this is the doc premiere in the theater scene. So you have this the title at the top, and then these are the beats. So it's like, mother talks of gay child, uh, Michael talks that God is here, people who think homosexuality is wrong will get it, and then you see Susan proud. So those are the three beats in that scene. Yeah. And oftentimes they'll change. For instance, we ended up, this character ended up getting dropped from the movie completely. Oh, uh, completely wow. cut her out, yeah. And so, which happens, you know. Yeah. So she's there in the scene, but she's not featured um, uh -huh. because story-wise, it just didn't. We didn't have time. We had to keep it moving. Uh -huh. You know, it felt like a speed bump. So does that mean that whole scene, that scene's not in the movie? No, the whole scene is in there. Just this one beat is now gone. Gotcha. So, so but then, but I put those on the cards, so I can just read the cards and you have the whole movie every single beat every single sequence every single act you know the whole movie in one glance yes yeah. you know i'm a very visual person and so this is like but it's great to be able to work with the director like this because the director says hey what if we do this and then you, you move, move yeah you can instantly see on the board oh and i have one other board which is what we call the orphan board <laughs> the scenes that get dropped. Yeah, <laughs> and and often you know yeah. So I have one other. There's one other one. That's the orphan board. And so any scene that gets dropped or we don't know what to do with it, and a lot of times they get repurposed. Uh -huh. um, like in I Am Michael, there's a ton of those scenes where the whole scene was dropped, but I took one little sliver of a visual and used it somewhere else. Yeah. So like they uh, cheers, like they clink their glasses together, like wine glasses together. I use it in a happy moment, like just to show things are going well. Yeah. 
there was a whole scene, you know, that that was that took place, you know, and the wine was just a little middle. It was just a little thing in the middle. They clink their glasses yeah. together. So, but I repurposed just that little sliver. But it's great because you have this whole board where you see this is all the footage I have that I can pull from. Yeah. So it's like, oh, you could put a little piece here. You could put a little piece here. We need something that does this. We have a hole here. We need something that'll, you know, story-wise will get us to the next point. What do we have? Go to the orphan board. Okay, well, these are all the things that we've cut out. Oh, look at this. We could take this scene, write a couple lines of ADR, mm. totally repurpose it, and fill this story need. Yeah, wow. So um, nothing gets lost, everything gets maximized, you know, and the story gets to be as strong as yeah. possible. When do you make this? Do you make this based on the script or all the footage you get? Um, on the script. Okay. Um, typically what I'll do is I'll build it um, while I'm editing. Okay, so, so, and if... Yeah. And, if for whatever reason, when they're doing the shoot, they skip a scene or they're like, we don't need the scene or mm -hmm. skip a line, it doesn't make it to the board? And right, because typically, typically, like in the dailies process, I'll be cutting together a scene. Once I cut together the scene, I'll write a card for it. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, Some, or sometimes I'll wait if I don't know what the color scheme is going to be or if uh -huh. I don't know the big picture, um, if I haven't decided that yet. But <laughs> And then who, when, when you do say... I'm gonna grab this visual. Where do the files sit? Like, who well, see, has... everything has a number. So you know, every scene has a number. So you know, if I'm if I'm over here, like this is a scene that got pulled. So this is Michael walks home, mm -hmm. and so it, I, I always put a number on all the index cards, and so it's scene sixty three. So I just jump in. I have the dailies bin, and it's all numbered by scene. But are they like yeah. they're like on your personal computer, just sitting there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, on a drive, on a drive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have okay. typically I will have a drive, and then the assistant editor like, will have a, an identical drive. Yeah, I, I brought this up on our set. I was just like, it, it's you know, in this day and age of um, just everything's on a digital file, yeah. and with technical difficulties and stuff, like. I'm surprised we haven't really heard of any movie that just got completely lost because somebody like dropped a computer or something. We or... had we had a one of the scenes and I and Michael um, got corrupted. And, and we lost. You it. just lost it completely. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. It was it was a small moment, and I think it ended up just being B roll, but it was completely lost. I mean, we're never able to replace it. Wow. So it ha it does happen. And so it does happen. Yeah. Okay. I mean, but the process should be you know there should be somebody on set. It's the files recorded digitally and then immediately backed, backed up. up. Yeah. Yeah. But no, even if you do that, sometimes I, I, for some, like I imagine there's like when you're like okay I gotta go get the footage you have to go into like this like computer vault like yeah. kind of like um oh what am i thinking of like uh i think i'm thinking of war games right now like that giant <laughs> computer brain like you, you have to go in that bunker and right. you have to go to the computer and you have to pull it from the computer and it's super backed up and super protected because right, nobody right. and there's like no way to accidentally just be like control alt delete oh right right you know <laughs> So it's so interesting though. Like, no, there's always multiple backups, and you know, and they're usually, you know, they're always somewhere else. Yeah. And and then I, you know, in addition to the multiple backups, there's I have the editor has a copy, and the assistant editor has a copy. Yeah. So you know, if anything goes wrong, yeah. um, and everything is, um, you know, instantly backed yeah. up in terms of. The um, and when I brought this up on our set, um, we Googled to just to see, and apparently, Toy Story, I think it was two, um, got lost completely. They like just. The files just just got really corrupted. Yeah. But one of the producers had pulled it because she wanted to show like a rough cut to her 
um, niece or something. Oh my gosh. And so they, you know, they use those yeah. files as the master files. And like, wow. so it's, so that one little, she was like, I'm just going to show my niece that saved the That's movie. Crazy. That's you know? scary, though. Isn't that scary? But like, no, in the digital age, millions, though, and it's millions of dollars. Like, it's worth millions. That that no, the digital. File. It's so easy for it to just disappear. Yeah, <laughs> scary. Thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, absolutely. Really Th- thanks for having me. It's and now, job. all that's left is the sign-off. Um, on my first episode, I just it randomly happened, and now it's become a tradition. Uh, so all you have to do. Um, so what I did was I, I just went sidekick back radio. Watch out! And do a little karate chop. Now you do it in your own way. Take that as you will. Just say sidekick back radio. Give a karate chop. Sidekick back radio. Hiya! <laughs> Is that good? <laughs> Perfect.